What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshan. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Um, we hope that you aren't tired of sweets yet. We hope that your tummies are not aching uh, because we are ready to hop into the Candyman 2021 conversation. Ooh, yes, Ooh. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's been a minute uh, that we've been waiting. So, and you guys already knew we were hype to see it. We both have finally seen it. And so we're ready to have a conversation about it now. Um, we both haven't said anything to each other about the movie. Yeah. Like not even, not even to just be like, oh, I liked it. Or like we haven't said anything besides we checked in with each other just to make sure we both saw the movie. <laughs> And that was it. And we left it at that. Yeah. We wanted to keep everything pure for you guys. We wanted this to be a genuine conversation between two mm -hmm. people that saw the movie but have not quite discussed it yet. Right. And I think for us both, it's a little bit hard <laughs> when you are on social media and majority of the other accounts that you follow are also horror accounts mm -hmm. and you follow a lot of horror podcast accounts. It's a little hard to avoid, you know, any conversation about this movie, but we did our darndest to keep that to a minimum so that we were not influenced by any other people's thoughts or opinions on this movie um, so that we could, you know, go in just straight off of the cuff and try and just take our own interpretations of what this movie is. So, yeah, I'm really excited. I've been waiting I mean, we both saw it yesterday. Mm -hmm. I think I saw it before you. Yeah, like I think a, you saw it maybe like an hour or two before I did because I remember getting your text mm -hmm. and be like, "Ah, she beat me to it." <laughs> well, how was how was the theater experience? Actually, I'm very curious uh, how it was for you because you, I mean, when you get a movie this black, it is a toss up what kind of <laughs> what kind of theater experience you're gonna have. That's the truth. That's just the way it is. So I I went for Tuesday at 4.15. I went by myself and I walked in and I said, this theater is kind of empty. Like the whole, the whole building. It was me, the guy that worked concession, and then there was one other guy ahead of me getting a snack. And so I'm like waiting at the concession stand and I got the nachos with extra cheese and jalapenos oh, and well i got done, a lemonade well i had to i did have to get a snack this time this man handed me this precariously stacked thing of nachos <laughs> so he gives me all that stuff and i'm struggling this man is watching me struggle to try and hold all of these things <laughs> on my own so then i get to the auditorium auditorium five see you in the distance and i'm like okay i just got to get there and then i can set all my shit down and like get myself collected because I was kind of feeling stressed at that moment in time. I kept feeling like I was going to drop my nachos. Mm -hmm. So I get to auditorium five. It is now four o'clock. The movie is supposed to start at 4.15. The entire auditorium, darkness, pitch black. The screen, darkness with the little mouse 
like clicker on it. Oh, wow. So I'm sat in darkness for five minutes. Just just a little a little spooked. Like at this point, I was getting a little bit nervous because in my as you in should, my head, I, think. I, I don't know what I was thinking in my head. But finally, the lights come up. And I said, now, is the concession man also running the projector booth? (laughs) (laughs) Is this a one-man operation? So then the trailers start, and I realize I am the only person that's in there. Oh. And at first, at first I was like, dope. This is exactly what I wanted. That feeling lasted for 10 (laughs) seconds, and then I got really nervous. I started to get really scared. Maybe it was the jalapenos. Maybe it was, was I had walked to the theater and so I was very hot mm-hmm. and I had my mask on. I was breathing all hard. <laughs> so maybe it was like <laughs> it was like all of those things adding up. But I was starting to get really nervous. And the seat that I had chosen was right by the where you have to enter to get into the theater. Ooh, okay. Which also made me really nervous. Um, so then the movie starts. <laughs> and right before the movie started, you know, like that moment of silence, right? As the movie, like the logos are about, about to start going. Yeah. I could have sworn I heard someone walk into the theater. So I'm waiting, right? Like I thought I heard the door. So I'm oh, waiting for no. someone to turn that corner and they never came. Oh, and no. <laughs> so that the logos start and they were backwards and mm-hmm. now obviously later on i realized that they that is intentional and they are mirrored right but i didn't know that at the time so in my head i said oh my god there's nobody in the projection booth it's just me like nobody's <laughs> here and then that fucking candy man song as it kept getting louder and more distorted Dude, I don't you know. This was your end. You're like, this is this is I where I die. actually said I'm about to die. Like I was, <laughs> I've never been so sure that and I didn't know what from. Like I just almost felt like I would just perish in that moment and just be and just be like covered in nacho cheese with my legs kicked up while Candyman was playing in front of me on the oh, big screen. No. Oh man, I will. I will um, say that the backwards uh, title cards got everybody in my in my theater. Like every single person was like, "Oh my god, it's bad!" Like the whole theater thought that the entire movie is going to be backwards. Now it was a. It's one of those like subtle choices that it's like you don't think about that, but it was very effective. I saw that firsthand because yeah. my experience was different. There were definitely people in my theater. I went with a couple of friends myself, and luckily we, out of all the showings, we went to one that was in one of the smaller theaters. Uh, we went to AMC, but, you know, they got, like, you know, various amount of chairs, depending on which uh, screen you're at. So we went to one of the smaller ones, um, and most of the seats were filled. There were a couple empty seats. Like, the seat next to me was empty, but, like, most of the other ones were filled, and... Mm-hmm. For the most part, it was a good experience. I would say that my experience watching the movie was totally fine. I do feel very bad for... uh, I went with my roommate and his girlfriend. I do feel very bad for his girlfriend because she was on the end side of our row. Mm -hmm. And so she had two people come in um, right before the movie started and sat next to her. Um, One of which is a total dude bro. Like full uh, wife beater jeans down to basically his ankles 
um, along with his gal, who was in a, of course, full pink jumpsuit. Um, no masks on either of them, because why would they have masks? And this uh, young lady, young gentleman, sit next to my roommate's girlfriend and then immediately whip out a vape pen start no. just vaping heavy heavy in the back and we're in like the last row like we're in the back back so like we're all the way at the top so mm -hmm. they're just like consistently vaping the dude bro is like coughing up one of his lungs no. uh for the first 15 minutes that they're there um, <laughs> but i was like far enough away that like it was all just in in my eye line. I was seeing it all happen. But really, my roommate's girlfriend got the brunt of it. Mm -hmm. I looked over at her and she looked like she was ready to take her earrings off. And um, kudos to my roommate for keeping her calm throughout that experience. Mm -hmm. um, they continued to vape for like a fourth of the movie. At some point around like maybe the second murder that they finally chilled out. But just really quick PSA, um, if you are that person in the movie theaters um do us all a favor and don't fucking go to the movie theaters yeah um you're an asshole go watch that shit at home it's on hbo max or showtime um yeah do do us all a favor and go ahead and say Candyman five times in the movie. how about that <laughs> please and thank you please and thank you learn something from the movie because i i will say i would rather have had my experience for sure than have to deal with that so yeah well done to you <laughs> But outside of that, the rest of the the rest of the theater was awesome. There was a little bit like of audience participation and points, but it was like the good participation, yeah. like very quick, very brief, but in moments where we all were feeling the same thing, um, somebody just had to vocalize it, which I was there for. I was totally yeah. totally down for. All right, we've we've given we've we've set the groundwork for how we viewed this movie, and I know the homies are like, can y'all please? Mm -hmm. Talk about the movie already. So should we? Yeah, sorry. Uh, I hope you liked our stories, though. <laughs> I, I hope you enjoyed our little uh, tall tales of the movie theater. Uh, but shall we uh, hop into it? Yes, please. All righty. Well, homies, as always, we are entering into spoiler territory. So you have been warned. But today it is our pleasure to be talking about the 2021 reboot of Candyman. This one was directed by Nia DaCosta, uh, written by Jordan Peele, Wynne Rosenfeld, and Nia DaCosta as well, and starring Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, Tayona Paris, Nathan Stewart Jarrett, and Coleman Domingo. You've heard the legend, and now you will say his name. Candyman has returned. It has been 30 years since Helen Lyle went on her killing spree through Cabrini Green, an infamous Chicago housing project, now reduced to just a few decrepit buildings. Anthony McCoy, a survivor of the Helen Massacre, is now a visual artist living in Chicago with his art gallery director girlfriend, Brianna. After hearing the tale of Helen from Brianna's brother, Troy, Anthony heads to Cabrini Green in search of a creative spark for his struggling art. Instead, he finds William Burke, a local laundromat owner who tells him the tale of Candyman. 
And when Anthony decides to make Candyman the centerpiece for his new art series, he sets the stage for a resurrection unlike any the world has ever seen. Insert razor blade candies, bloody art galleries, and infected bee stings here. Our film concludes with Anthony returning to his roots and planting the seeds for a new modern day Candyman. Also, you should probably see a doctor about that hand. Roll credits. I don't know about you, but I didn't take my notebook in to watch the movie, so I didn't take any specific notes. No, but no. straight off of the dome, uh, watching this watching this movie, what is the first thing that I guess really stuck out to you or struck you? Uh, what would have been in your notes if you had your notebook with you? <laughs> what would have been in your notebook? <laughs> what would have been your note? <laughs> Um, well, the first note that I had, we actually talked about a little bit, which was the backwards uh, title card, because mm -hmm. I did think it was really fun how affected the entire audience was by that. It was such a small change, but I think that little bit of disorientation really was a great way to enter this movie, because mm -hmm. for those that know the Candyman story, and if you don't, please go check out our previous episode two weeks ago on the original Candyman. The entire tale is very disorienting because there is a lot of aspects of psychological horror. So I thought that it was only right that the movie start with a quick F you to your senses and <laughs> go ahead and disorient yeah. everybody in the building. I thought that was a really fun, exciting way to enter the movie. Mm -hmm. um, my next note right after that was that I did love that the opening sequence that we got for the reboot was kind of a callback to the original, which there are a lot of callbacks to the original, this being a direct sequel to mm -hmm. it. I noticed that in the opening sequence, we had a lot of shots of Chicago from underneath, which I think was a direct contrast to the original when we had that really sweeping shot of an overhead Chicago. Mm -hmm. um, I think that was a little callback directorially to the original, and I really enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, that whole first bit of the movie was just so overwhelming for me, which could have been because I was having a slight panic attack. But <laughs> I do think I do think that that is something that happens a lot in this movie, specifically with the use of sound that they have mm -hmm. is it's very overwhelming to the senses. It almost takes you aback sometimes by how suddenly the sound shifts will go from low to high or vice versa. And even with some of the shots, uh, the way that people uh, will m move or be moving or the way that you'll be looking at characters but you're only really seeing them through a mirror specifically there's a shot later on with brianna and anthony where they're talking in the bathroom and we're seeing them through the mirror and something about that was very it's confusing to the senses and it's it was confusing to me in a good way like mm -hmm. i feel like it helped bring in that sense of dread and that sense of 
something is not quite right here and it's and it's making me feel uncomfortable and I feel like that happens right off of the bat in this movie because like I said it took me that whole beginning sequence to chill out and calm myself down and that even happens with the choice of using the song I don't think the song's just called candy man but I can't remember yeah that it was it was a good it was a great song choice yeah that freaking (laughs) creepy song but it the way that they use it is it slowly builds in volume and it slowly gets more um distorted and it becomes it's already in my opinion it's already a creepy song and they just creepified it even more and Mm um yeah it already leads you into a movie that is consistently banking on that uneasy feeling yeah. that's where the fear comes from um for that me unease. yeah mm-hmm. the unease and there the feeling of there's just something not quite right underneath the surface of what's going on yeah um going into this one i was definitely ready to pay attention to the score because although jordan peele didn't direct this one and we'll talk about knee in just a second um a lot of his movies, one of the things that always impresses me is the is the audio portion of it and the scoring. And so with the original score of the first Candyman being so iconic for a lot of people, uh, I was curious to see if they were going to be able to meet that same threshold with, you know, creating this very creepy, uneasy atmosphere. And I thought that they did a fantastic job throughout the entire movie with the audio it was one of the it was just one of those small things that i was definitely um looking towards um hoping to be impressed and they definitely impressed me i don't know who i am to say but you know y'all y'all did great <laughs> with that um but uh, really quick before we dive too deep into the movie uh, i know a lot of the hype around this film was the fact that jordan peele's name was attached to it along with monkey paw um, which rightfully so, they have been titans of the horror industry in the past couple of years. But we have a we have a director in Nia DaCosta who is fairly newish to the scene, from what I can tell. With I think her first her first film being Little Woods in 2018, followed by Ghost Tape in 2020, and then she is lined up to actually direct the marvels in 2022 which i thought is a really cool next venture for her so going into this movie i was very excited to see a director that i don't think we've seen too much of at least i hadn't seen any of her previous work so i was excited to see what she did with this film and i will say from the get-go i was incredibly impressed with the direction that this film took uh, with the cinematography and the storytelling aspects that she chose to use i thought that she did an absolutely phenomenal job. And if you were to tell me that she was a newer director, I'd be like, where's your proof? Because mm-hmm. this this movie seemed like it came from a seasoned veteran. Yes, I was going to say it's fantastic. I think the visual aspect of this movie is one of its best points, is mm-hmm. what they are able to do visually and the shots that they are able or that she was able to get because they really they really were able to do something different from the previous Candyman mm-hmm. while still keeping the core of yes. what that story was, which is a huge feat. It's hard to do. And I really do have to give her 
a hand for that because I think if nothing else, this is a beautiful movie and mm -hmm. it's a, in, a visually interesting movie. Yeah. And there was something in every single shot that I found like that I wanted to look at. I wanted, there was something in every shot I wanted to see. Mm -hmm. And I think that obviously that is very important in a movie. And and I think that it's nice to see that in a horror movie because obviously you don't want a movie that's beautiful with no substance and mm -hmm. you don't want a movie that's only substance and it looks it's hard to look at. You obviously want to find a pretty good medium for that. And I do think that they do here. But I will say the visual aspects of this story are very high up on the list i think for me of what i enjoyed oh yeah about this movie most definitely i thought they were phenomenal and like i just wanted to make sure that we directly give her credit she also did make history as the first mm -hmm. black female filmmaker to open a movie at number one so absolute congratulations to you nia um i think fully deserved for this film as one of those things that i was guilty of this too of because I'm such a stand for Jordan Peele, I see his name attached to every to anything, then my brain's just immediately like Jordan Peele, Jordan Peele, Jordan Peele, forgetting sometimes uh, about the group of fantastic individuals that he surrounds himself with, um, with all of his work. And so I think it is important to make sure that we're giving credit to the people that are aiding in the journey and sometimes like in this situation, taking charge of the journey. Um, mm -hmm. so shout out to Nia and, um, um go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say, yeah, I will. And I would be interested to hear from you what your favorite shot is, but I think one of my favorite shots comes within this first, the very beginning of the movie with, um, Sherman, who we later find out more about coming out of that hole. Oh in the yeah. Wall. I obviously that shot was in the trailer so i knew it was coming but even even though i had seen it numerous times in the trailer it still hit when it happened in the movie mm -hmm. i just think it's such a good shot it's such a creepy idea yes. and just seeing that man slink out of the shadows and slink out of the darkness and and it kind of plays on that same thing from the first one, right? Is the of Helen, because I, I think we mentioned in our past one that is such an iconic image of Helen going through Candyman's mouth and has right. this like, little hole that she walks through. For me, this is an iconic image of the new movie: Sherman walking out of that hole and approaching William, because it's just it's it, this movie continues that idea that you don't need jump scares to be a scary movie mm -hmm. i to me this sense of unease and this sense of oh my god what is happening is it was enough to make me feel scared yes. and i think they were very clever because obviously as the movie goes on we we reassess the way we feel about that scene because yeah. it gets reintroduced to us later on and that fear changes that fear changed from me to oh my god this man is scary to oh my god i'm scared for this man exactly no i totally one 100 that, yeah. that's another thing i did really enjoy about this movie is i liked the um the construction of the script and how they revealed information and the way that they paced it out because, yeah, your opinions on that scene changed so much 
once you get a little bit of extra context for it, which you don't get for a very long portion of the movie. Right. Um, and I think it does a good job of kind of playing with your expectations too, because I think, especially for everybody who recently rewatched the original going into this movie, that's our first image of quote unquote Candyman in this film. And it's kind of jarring, right? Because mm -hmm. it's not Tony Todd. Um, it's not the exact image of Candyman that most of us remember or have seen from the original. Uh, it's different. It's different in a lot of little subtle ways, even from like the way that his hook hand is oriented. Like there are so many little things that are different about it. So it kind of sets you up for this idea of like, is this is this the new can like are we fully rebooting Candyman? Are we just pretending Tony Todd didn't exist? Like what's happening here? I think they they raise those questions at the beginning because they know for a fact they're going to answer them later. And I think that was very smart. It's definitely it was very clever the way that that whole storyline unfolded. And I think it really does play into the urban legend aspect, which is always such a big part of these movies is because we see that scene and we ourselves as the audience make our own decision on what that is going to be, right? Mm -hmm. Because you see it, you hear the little kid scream. In my head, I'm thinking, oh, he he's, he's probably doing the Candyman legend where he kills people, right? And he acts as the Candyman. Um, and that's what I created, but that was not true. And mm -hmm. and then we find out that through Helen's original journey, she also has become a legend that has been misconstrued and misrepresented throughout time. Yeah. And only the people that were at Cabrini Green really know what, what actually the truth happened. is. Right. And so they have their own version of Helen. And then everybody else has their own version of Helen. And that, yeah. And that's just something that will always continue because now the same will be said for Anthony. You know, yep. it's like Brianna will have her own account of what happened to him, but everybody else will have a different one. Yeah. And it'll be that same thing. Brianna knows that he was a victim and for everybody else he will be the murderer and everybody else will be the victim yeah and it's it's a great play on the way that you know urban legends work it's really like a long-term game of telephone in a way of just like you're hearing the story over and over again but the aspects of the story are going to change over time they're going to change from person to person so you never really know if the urban legend that you're hearing is the most accurate account of the legend, but that's kind of the fun of the legends is it's different from person to person. And moving slightly into the legends, the one thing that I also wanted to point out about this beginning sequence that I loved is them making the candy fucking terrifying. Every time a candy <laughs> dropped on the ground, I shat myself. They did a great job of using it as a great visual device of whenever that candy dropped on the ground, you knew what that meant. Like, you knew that right. meant Candyman was coming. And that was something that rewatching the, the OG Candyman is kind of missing. Like, because we don't really get too much of, like, the candy aspect of Candyman um, in the original Candyman uh, funny enough. So it's cool to see that 
used as effectively as I think it was used in this movie. Right. But but that I feel like goes along with something we can discuss a little bit is and this Candyman is a different legend than Daniel Ropta. Yes. Like because yeah, we don't we don't really get candy candy in the original Candyman, but it's because that doesn't fit in with Daniel's legend. But in this version of the movie, we are getting Sherman's legend. Mm -hmm. And Sherman that is what he did. He gave little kids candy. And so candy, I think similarly to where bees are very much a calling card of Daniel, mm-hmm. candy is a calling card of Sherman. Yeah. And I would be interested, How? what are your thoughts about that idea of Candyman not necessarily being one person. Oh, I loved but it. But rather I, a okay. Yeah, no, yeah. I I was one hundred percent here for it because I think that was that was one of the smartest ways they could tackle such an important tale for a lot of us, especially those of us who grew up when Candyman came out. It's like Candyman is such an important part of horror history for a lot of us that it was just be too difficult to try and completely retcon it, right? And just start it from scratch. But what they did in this movie is they took what was already given with the legend and just expanded that and expanded the universe around it. And I thought that that was probably the best way that they could have gone. Mm-hmm. Um, that wouldn't, you know, have people with pitchforks and torches like trying to burn down the film. Um, because <laughs> it takes everything that you enjoyed about the original Candyman and it gives you more of it now. Because now you have this idea that Candyman is not a, a singular person. It's more of an idea. It's what he represents. It's, it's, it's a hive, as they called it in the film. And mm-hmm. that to me was just such a cool concept because it gives, it gives even more longevity to the character to me. Um, because it allows the character to evolve and change with time. It is very clever because I agree with you. It's if you're not going to have Candyman be Daniel, right? Like mm-hmm. we're not getting Tony Todd's Candyman. The best thing you can do is make it make sense. And I definitely think that they did. I like that idea that Candyman itself represents wrongs that have been done to black men over the years. And so Candyman can be different for everybody. It just depends on the legend that you hear. So for William and for Anthony, Candyman is going to be Sherman because that's the legend that, you know, they are most acquainted with. It's, mm-hmm. it's particularly for Anthony because he doesn't know anything else until he's told about it. Um, right. and I And I think that it does give you the right then to have a totally different Candyman because obviously Daniel is a romanticized, you know, he, he, seduced, he's, a mur- he's, he's a murderous he's a seductress poet. poet. Yeah. <laughs> he very much in, you know, throughout his movie is a wordsmith, but as we know, Sherman, he doesn't talk at all. Mm-mm. And so he's like a silent killer in this movie but it allows for Candyman to be different without being um without discrediting the original yeah without being disrespectful to who he was it's not like we're changing what that character was it's a new interpretation of the legend yes and i I, you know it's something that you have to 
get used to, right? Because because yeah. Sherman's Candyman is not only different because a he doesn't talk, but also I think in this in this Candyman he is very much relegated to the mirror and to the reflection. Mm-hmm. We almost anytime we see him, he is in the mirror. And that's also something that visually is astounding, but you have to get used to it. I had to get used to that. That's fair. Because I as I don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it, but it it was it took me a couple deaths of, you know, not having him be able to interact with the real world mm-hmm. until I was like, you know what? It's cool. It's I accept this. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it just because they did such a good job of um playing with the visuals cuz one it's really hard to shoot into mirrors in the first place. I don't know if a lot of people mm-hmm. know this, but shooting into mirrors is already a freaking nightmare. Um, you have to do it just right for it to work. And so the fact that they use that consistently throughout the entire film is such a, um, it's such a testament to the work that they put in because that's an important part of the lore. He attacks you in your reflection. That is something that is provided in the source material that they, you know, play with in the original. But I think this movie really hones in on that. And I thought visually they did an astounding job in that regard. And real quick, one last thing with the uh, idea that Candyman is not just one person. It's a a collective idea. I think that that was a great setup to allow Candyman to also tackle this injustice aspect of the film that's kind of underlying everything. Um, Mm -hmm. Because at the core, like, I, I think a lot of people forget that the original Candyman and Daniel was created from a lynching. And I think this idea of having the different various Candymen be vengeful spirits formed from lynchings um, is a very smart way to be able to incorporate this urban legend from a lot of our youths into today's society, especially with Black Lives Matter and all this stuff that's happening with a lot of young Black and older Black people being murdered. it makes it gives this movie a level of immediacy to it. It really makes you present in the moment because we've just seen a lot of these things in our everyday life. And now we're seeing the dark mythos that could be theoretically revolving around it. And so I thought mm-hmm. that that was just a really smart way for them to incorporate their overall message while at the same time figuring out what the fuck are we going to do without Tony Todd as Candyman, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. It definitely brings it up to date. And, and and even with the like whole, like, say his name aspect of this film has taken on such a different meaning over mm-hmm. the last few years. Mm-hmm. And I, I, one thing I like that this movie touches on that I think also fits into that idea is like the cycles that we like life goes through Mm -hmm. because it's something that William mentions how Cabrini green is in this constant like cycle of nothing of bad things happening and nothing ever changing. But then we also get that a little bit with some of our characters of these cycles that they're unsure if they're ever, ever going to, pull out of because I I feel like we get that a little bit with Brianna 
because we find out that her father was a tortured artist mm -hmm. who was depressed and killed themselves and she really blames the art for that and i feel like she almost realizes that she may be caught in a cycle of now dating her father like you know dating someone that could be going down that same path mm -hmm. and then we also it also kind of that also plays into this idea that they actually touch on very fairly early in the film is like how much do we allow the past to dictate our present yeah because even with the conversation they have about how cabrini green has been gentrified and you know brianna and anthony are making this argument that you know oh the white people create the ghettos and then they want to get rid of the you know and then they move out of the ghettos and then they want to get rid of them and all this stuff and then randy i think is troy's boyfriend's name basically says like yeah but like you guys are also taking advantage of that yeah. you know like it's it's one of those things where how much do you let your past kind of affect how you live your life like or a past that you weren't even involved in really mm -hmm. like how much do you let that affect how you live now and i feel like the same thing happens with william the same thing happens with anthony particularly with his mother mm -hmm. trying to hide his past from him and now that that past is his present and it's this idea of like these things always come back yeah. they, they always come back They're whether all, you want them it's, to or it's not. all cyclical yeah and i think it kind of touches on that issue of does that make you a hypocrite to be voicing these concerns of oppression while also benefiting now from that same idea? Or are you just taking advantage and flipping the script and, you know, moving forward and pushing forward and just utilizing what you have now while still holding on to, you know, that past and acknowledging that past? Are they bad for living in a gentrified apartment area while still complaining about that? Is it bad for Anthony to be, you know, using the Candyman legend for financial gain and to get into the art world? And also, is it okay for William to try and flip the legend of Candyman and now use it for black people rather than against it? are those things that are okay or are those things that they should feel guilty about yeah it's you bring up the gentrification i love the conversation that they had um because they do they do take it a step further than you think they will where like you kind of think they're just going to leave it at oh you know so you're white people out here gentrifying the hood and then yada 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 and just they leave it at that but then you have a deeper conversation about it with the art critic who comes in, who um, mm -hmm. imposes the idea that, oh, um, it's really the artists that come in and they blame it on white people. But truly, it's the artists that come in and hipster the area up. That is the real cause of gentrification, which then gets rebuked. Rebu uh, what's the word? Rebuked? Rebuted? Re Rebuted? No, no, no. Re Anthony, Anthony calls her on he, her shit later yeah. on uh, in a Anthony later conversation. Anthony wants all the smoke. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so I did like that they didn't just leave that as a statement. They had a full conversation about it throughout the movie. 
And that to me was just a really good little extra bit. I wasn't expecting that um, that discussion within the script, but um, it was fun to it was fun to see and fun to hear. And it actually gave some perspective that I don't think I really sat and thought about before. But um, yeah, it, it, it's definitely I, I do like the discussions that they have in these movies some of it is a little bit on the nose i wonder though if that is purposeful because that's also a conversation that they have in this movie regarding anthony's art artistic interpretation Mm -hmm. is that he takes he has a tendency to take things so literally and he doesn't allow for symbolism or interpretation and it's something that seems to really be holding him back and I, I, I didn't mind it. Like I personally didn't mind most of it. Um, I do think at times, I don't, it's weird because I could, I I could definitely see people having those conversations, especially in 2021, Mm -hmm. but at times it, it came a little bit out of nowhere for the lead ups to them, but I have to give it to the actors because they sold it to me. Yeah. Like their acting sold it to me. And so I didn't, I didn't mind it. Yeah. And I think it was also just like a, it was a nice commentary as well on kind of the, the arts and specifically like art dealerships and like art galleries and stuff like the, um, the culture surrounding that. I think is one that only a select number of people get to really witness the ins and outs of. So it was fun to see a conversation about that uh, in the movie as well. Um, But kind of moving a little bit away from like the grand ideas of the film and um, a little bit more specifically, how how did you feel about uh, some of our characters here throughout the film in Anthony, Brianna, Troy, et cetera? So I, I really enjoyed them. So Troy is played by Nathan Nathan Stewart Jarrett. Yeah, who, who I remember from The Misfits, which is a show yes, I watched so much growing that's up. That's what I was going to say. All I've ever seen, all I know him from is as Curtis um as Donovan. Curtis on on Misfits. And so seeing him here in a completely different role was very fun. Um because I love him on that show. I think he's a fantastic actor. And mm-hmm. I was so excited to see him in this movie. Even more excited that he didn't die. <laughs> yep. That made me so happy. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed his character was a lot of fun. And I, I, I liked the relationship that he had with Brianna. Yeah, I thought, they felt I very thought, much like a family. Yes, I, I like that they were so different and but they still got along and you could kind of see where he was more of a wild child and was able to kind of get away with kind of saying more, saying whatever he wanted while she probably had to be the more mature and more reasonable and responsible one. Mm-hmm. And I thought that they worked very well together. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the anthony and brianna's relationship a because they were just i feel like they felt very natural together i feel like you could see where they worked together Mm -hmm. but i did like the idea that like the power play between them i thought was also a nice aspect of relationships that is very real and is very uncomfortable Mm -hmm. to talk about is this money 
like the how there may be one person in the relationship who could be considered more successful mm -hmm. than the other and what does that do to the relationship and how does that affect the relationship i did like that they played with that and i like that they planted the seeds for that very early on mm -hmm. because it it's a thread that continues throughout she is awesome like i i really enjoyed watching her navigating this situation and also just trying to be a successful woman in this you know in the art field and be considered for her own merit i really enjoyed that aspect of her character anthony is great like the i honestly felt like having anthony be our main character that we follow throughout the movie was the best thing that they could have done for this movie. Mm -hmm. I agree. And the kind of addition to that, too, is one of the things we spoke about in our previous episode was the notion that Candyman, although a very strong presence um, in black culture, um, was still told from a white outsider's perspective. And in this movie, we get the black perspective as the main pov so it's just a different it's a different gateway into this story that um i think a lot of people myself included felt was missing from the first one so it was very actually refreshing to get both anthony and brianna's pov of the things that are happening just so that we can have this quintessential black story told from a black lens, I think was very useful in accelerating the narrative. I yeah, I really loved seeing it from, and not only that, but a male's perspective, true, um, rather true. than following a female trying to navigate this situation. I do think that that's a cool dynamic to have Anthony, who you know is you know, probably would have been cast as Candyman if, if this was the original 90s movie. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I like seeing him as the the one trying to navigate this situation in this movie. And I think the thing also that I liked is, obviously in the original, Candyman has this allure about him. He has this pool, and he's able to, like, mesmerize Helen fairly often, right? Mm -hmm. He is able to pull her in and seduce her. That, but in this movie, that is, they use like fame and notoriety as the pool of Candyman for Anthony. Yeah. Because that's the seduction. He is, use, he is using Candyman's legend mm -hmm. to get his name out there. And the fact that people have been murdered, it, does not phase him at all. Yeah, he's just excited he's, to know that people know about his art installation. When he's sit, yeah, when he's sitting there on the couch listening to the reports of the murder, and then he's like, "Yo, they said my name." I was mm -hmm. like, "Bruh, <laughs> this you, man is in too deep. He is in too deep come already." Get him. <laughs> yeah, he needs some milk. Yeah, he's like so met. He's mesmerized by the fact that his name and his art piece were mentioned on the news. And that's the pool of Candyman for Anthony, is it's a step for him to move his art 
you know, to the next level. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. So those paintings he does when he's like, you know, in his zone, those like paintings he tries to hide. Yeah. Uh, those paintings were actually pretty fucking dope. And you know what? If he if he wasn't being take, infected by Candyman, <laughs> he could have had a pretty cool exhibit because those and, paintings are actually pretty good. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And speaking of the, the infection with Candyman, how did you feel about William? Um, when we, at least when we first meet him, not, not William towards the end, but like when we initially <laughs> meet William, how did, how did you feel about him? So I did think he was a little shady when we first met him. Yeah. Him just popping out of nowhere. I was like, Anthony, your black senses should be tingling way harder than they are right now. <laughs> Something's wrong. Yeah, I was like, sure, <laughs> sir, where did he come from? <laughs> what is he doing? But I, th I think the thing that made me a little bit wary of William is that he so willingly said Candyman's name and, mm -hmm. and passed that on to somebody. Because a thing that they play on a lot in this movie is Anthony is getting infected, but he is also the infection because yeah. he's the one that spreads Candyman's name, you know, to the masses. But William is the one who so happily passes the name Candyman off to mm -hmm. Anthony. And I just thought that that was weird <laughs> because True. he wasn't uh, un unlike helen who was looking into the legend who specifically was going for Candyman. anthony was just interested in cabrini green and mm -hmm. yeah he was like a little bit interested in helen but yeah william had no issues telling him all about it and i just thought that that was a little bit suspicious because yeah, why would you spread that along it's true and honestly i didn't really clock that myself because i think i was so used to um the helen perspective where she was just going around asking people about Candyman, and like although people were scarce with the information they were open about it um in the original movie so hearing someone tell the tale of Candyman, i think at this point i was so used to it that it didn't register to me that, yeah, 30 years post what happened, people should not be talking about it. Like, no one no. should be bringing him up. And I think you're right there. And I just, I re that really went over my head. I didn't even realize that um, yeah. watching. And until later when we get the news that, like, yeah, we weren't supposed to be talking about him at all. So it's, it's strange that the happenings are happening so quickly. Um, something is <laughs> a little right. bit sus. In the neighborhood, something's a little off. Yeah, mm -hmm. some things are a little going a little wrong yeah, over there but, in Cabrini Green. <laughs> right, but I mean, <laughs> Candyman comes back through to the dismay of many of the people in this movie. And um, I, I'm gonna be honest, I was a big fan of his of his entrance kills. I thought that that was quite atmospherically terrifying in the in the art studio. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Which is another callback um to the original movie uh, the the tale that we get of the couple saying yeah. Candyman's name while they're about to have sex cuz I'm like oh yeah what a <laughs> like that's foreplay for you I guess mm -hmm. but yeah it's it's a it's a very cool scene I do love that setting for having that happen mm -hmm. um and 
it's yeah it's really the first time that we get this idea that he is able to manipulate the world through reflection and i also love this is another one of my favorite shots that i just thought was super cool the bee on the win- on the mirror that and yeah. then anthony tries to tap it and it's inside of the glass. inside the glass yeah so that good was super cool super mm-hmm. super freaking cool and one thing i also enjoyed and this is kind of throughout um just so i don't have to point out every time but uh, a thing that i loved from the original Candyman was the brutality of the kills and although there aren't that many when you actually go back and watch there are only a couple but I think on a on a brutal scale, they definitely matched, if not surpassed, the original for me. Because the way that Sherman kills, he ain't playing games. He is slicing and dicing people with the effectiveness. And mm-hmm. I think it's like an all. It, it's also um, a combination too of where technology and makeup effects and stuff have gone, so that we can now portray this brutality very clearly on camera but the most if not all the kills for me felt very very horror movie and Mm -hmm. um they uh they made me kind of seize up a little bit i'm not gonna lie it's like yo these people are getting fucked up i think too the thing about this one that's kind of scary is that we really spend some time seeing that these people don't die that quickly because if you take like in this one jerica after she gets her throat slit we see her struggling to breathe and like choking on her own blood we see that for a while after it happens Mm -hmm. and then even later on with the girls in the bathroom i mean a lot of them are fighting for their they are fighting for their lives honey (laughs) and like it goes on for a while and so we really yeah, in the first Candyman, I think that he's he's pretty effective. He pretty much, you know, grind to gullet, got getcha, and and then they're dead. Yeah. But in this one, you know, he he does a couple different methods. Each one pretty brutal, and he does also have a higher kill count in this movie than well, yeah, much higher. True that, true that. And Sherman likes to play with his food a little bit too. That's the other thing he- is. Yeah. Where whereas Dan, Daniel will come in and you know he gets the job done. Sherman's like, well, you brought me all the way out here. I may as well have some fun while I'm doing it. Yeah, he's like, I may as well show out <laughs> if I'm gonna be all the way over here again. Now, <laughs> yeah. I oh, speaking of like that bathroom scene, like man, the, one how long that murder scene like went on for was like criminal because these girls were getting fucked up um yeah the shot of like when the first girl dies and then um the girl who's waiting in the or who's hiding in the bathroom stall just looks down and you see the uh the blood just gush down to the ground granted it looked a little bit like cough syrup not gonna lie (laughs) yeah Uh, it it was a little little too much blood (laughs) a little sticky for my taste but the yeah. idea of it was absolutely terrifying that like yes you didn't see what was happening to her but your imagination was going wild to like why is there that much blood like what is he doing to her yeah i was like oh my gosh yeah it was a little bit of a of a fountain of blood <laughs> we got and a little I do tarantino like... there for a second <laughs> yeah, yeah. we got a little bit 
into kill into kill bill volume <laughs> two for me on that one but no still yeah it was i i liked it a lot especially when she drops her compact mirror and we are able to see him through the mirror mm -hmm. and i will say i'm not i like that scene but i don't think i'm totally sold on where it is in the movie i think it should have come earlier okay it seems a little because by that point in the movie i am invested in anthony's story and and he's finally starting to figure things out right like he's finally going and, and talking to people and figuring things out and to switch over to the high school thing then it almost kind of broke that tension that i i was getting into with anthony's story okay. i i know why that scene's there it's because it's it's showing us that the legend is really starting to spread yeah now, right and it but, did, and i did like that the how i think they spread it very naturally in the idea that she just got a pamphlet from an art mm -hmm. gallery that she went to one time and then it spread that way like i, I thought that was very uh, natural but i do hear what you're saying in terms mm -hmm. of like we were very much in the heat of it by that point in the movie so like yeah jumping away from what's happening with anthony is kind of jarring um right especially because it's like we go there and then we leave and then it's just a moment in time i know that we see it on the the new he sees it on the news later but i do think it would have fit a little bit closer after the art dealer or the art critic yeah, died. I, mean, I feel I, like they should have been a little bit closer because it just it feels a little bit out of place for me. I, I I agree to an extent. Like I don't know personally where I would put it in the movie, but I do think that that's one of the sequences that probably could have got shifted around um, mm -hmm. somewhere else. I did. Uh, speaking of the kills too, though, I did actually. It was a subtle one, but I really liked the art dealer's death. Uh, or sorry, yeah. the, the art critic's death. The way that she died. There was just something about it. I think maybe it was just the lead up to it where it's like, you know, she said it, but then mm -hmm. she comes out of the bathroom unscathed and you're like, wait, what? But then he's also in the mirror behind her. So it's like mm -hmm. the moment he walks out and then you just get that um, that uh, zoom out shot of her just being chucked around her apartment like that. I thought that that was, I'll bet a little CGI-y. I, I love the subtlety of that death. Yeah, well, and I like it, too, because it kind of the way that it's set up, because we're zooming out and we're seeing kind of like all of these other people's apartment and then it's hers. It almost reminds me of earlier with his art installation when it's like she opened the mirror mirror and there were just like all these little paintings because he like presses her against the glass almost like a paintbrush and her blood leaves a streak across the window mm -hmm. and it almost reminds me of that of like all these little moments yeah and all these like paintings and then it's like her in the middle of it just like being used as a human paintbrush <laughs> <laughs> as a human flesh brush <laughs> as you do as one does <laughs> mm -hmm. now one thing that uh i was kind of flip-floppy on throughout the movie was the bee sting infection um i made a little joke about it in our synopsis but it was one of those things that i went along on the ride for but there at some point i think the infection got so bad that it kind of <laughs> took me out right that no one was calling it out 
It's like, okay, for for people that he doesn't know, like strangers, it makes a lot of sense that, all right, they won't necessarily say something about this man's jerky style hand um, because they don't know him. Maybe that's how his hand Mm -hmm. just looks. But the length of time with which no one calls him out for the fact that you need to go to a hospital immediately took me out of the film a little bit. I I do think it's a bit strange that him and his girlfriend have such a good relationship and we don't ever see her more worried about that because she noticed she notices it more when it's just the bee sting than when it's completely spread up his arm when he's already got a raisin as an arm yeah yes and because the thing about it is it's it's not even the way that they do it in this movie it's like it's half of a burn and then it half almost looks like a beehive like the yeah. way it's that it's dotted on him so it's very noticeably something is wrong like something <laughs> is very wrong and i do i do find it odd that we don't at least see a moment in time where she's more concerned about that especially when he's completely covering it up because there's that moment at the table where he's like picking at his hand and that girl's like excuse you or whatever whatever she says and you know we we get to that shot of of brianna where she's watching him and i almost thought okay later she's probably gonna bring that up or be concerned about that because he's like picking his skin off basically yeah and very viscerally as well just silence radio silence (laughs) she she doesn't care and i i just did think that was a bit strange i did also question a little bit the um placement um timeline wise of the of the beast thing because I'm okay with buying that the Beast thing's kind of like a metaphor for his transition, um, that he's been chosen to be Candyman at this point. I'm actually okay with that. Um, for me, it happening before he actually invokes Candyman confused me a little bit. Because, like, if if he had done, if he had summoned him already, and then maybe he was going about his day, and then he got stung by the bee, and that started the transition. But because it happens before he actually invokes the spirit, it seems just kind of strange that it evolves from a beasting into this giant metamorphosis because he hasn't he hasn't done wrong yet. You know what I mean? Like it for mm-hmm. me, it just kind of threw me off logistically where I was like, mm. had he not ever summoned him would the beasting still have become what it became on his body or like yeah i have to wonder if maybe it wouldn't like maybe it would have just been a beasting uh, yeah i i get what you're saying though is it's like if they're connected why did, why they did that one that happen order? first yeah mm-hmm. it, it confused right. me a little bit but again it was one of those it was like a very nitpicky thing that i saw but i was like you know what i let it go for the sake of um watching the film it was it was getting gross to look at my boy though, like at points yeah. in the movie. If you have what is it like tryptophilia or whatever? Yeah, like I, I think I slightly holes. do. Um, it's like that fear of like seeing like all the holes, hole, like tiny holes. Yeah, it, it's gonna be it's it's gonna be hard to look at if you have that. I think it invoked um, some of that in me because I genuinely <laughs> was feeling uneasy every time I saw the holes. I was like, I can't look at that. That is mm-hmm. freaking me out. Especially later on, once it's reached up to his face, because then it's basically all holes, mm-hmm. and it, it really does. It looks like a beehive. Like if you think beehives look gross. 
you, you, looking at Anthony is going to be a, a bit of a struggle. It's going to be a <laughs> test. <laughs> it's going to be a little bit of a test. But let's talk about the end. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not going to lie. I felt a little underwhelmed by the ending. Okay. Which okay. No. I felt the same way about the original Candyman. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I, it's, it, it's just that. Uh, and... I don't know. Yeah, I, I wish, I think I I wanted more time. I wanted them to spend more time on the end. Mm-hmm. And so when it ended, I, I wasn't, I wasn't expecting it to end where it ended. Mm-hmm. And so I was just kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, it, it happened and I just was like, okay, I don't know. Well, uh, tell me a little bit more about your feelings, because I, I I understand where you're coming from, because as we rounded towards the end of the movie, I was kind of, I was on the fence myself about whether or not I enjoyed it. So uh, yeah. please delve deeper into your feelings <laughs> about the ending. So, okay. I don't, I, I actually kind of liked this whole William thing right Mm -hmm. because and i will say i do think that little flashback they added the time the the timing of that was a little weird to me too Mm -hmm. um and i and if you're not paying attention i in the audience i think you would have been confused because you probably wouldn't have realized that that was young william again if you weren't paying attention Mm -hmm. it took me a second to like register mm -hmm. i was like okay i'm with it but it did take a moment yeah and i think it's just the way that it cuts because it cuts from him grabbing her and then it has a flashback and then it's like and then it cuts to him yeah because i I think covering her eyes and saying now you now we have a witness the the timing of it's a a bit odd yeah i think i remember um thinking that that was young troy um when that flashback happened i thought we were going back to brianna's past right for a second there Mm -hmm. but so we we find out that william so William was the witness for the for Sherman, right? Like mm-hmm. he was there when his legend began, and his sister was killed because they played Candyman, and mm-hmm. he saw Sherman. And th- tell me if this is how you interpret this, because how I interpret it was, he saw Sherman and realized that Candyman is real. Mm-hmm. And that this is something that can happen. This legend can continue to happen. But he has grown with that guilt and being obviously probably sh- destroyed by finding his sister. You know, there's all these different things that have probably affected him throughout his life. And he's frustrated that people, black people continue to die, not only in Cabrini Green, Black people are still dying. Candyman was killing black people. But also just in the world, he feels that it's not fair. It's unjust. And he wants to create his own Candyman. And the new legend will completely will be completely targeted towards white people. Mm-hmm. And that's what he wants the new Candyman to be. And Anthony's there to fulfill that. And now, but he needs a witness and Brianna is that witness. Yeah. That's how I interpreted that. I, is that what you thought? A, a little bit, yeah. I, I had to kind of piece it together as the ending continued. And as we got more information in the ending, I had to kind of piece together what William's full ultimatum there was. Um, mm-hmm. But I, th- I think it 
was intended to be some we you know we could be wrong there but i think it was intended that he was trying to create like you said his own candy man that was a vengeful spirit against those that are oppressing the people that he holds near and dear um rather than the oppressed rather than the oppressed and i what was interesting too is um in our last episode we had nate on and he talked about how um, he wished that Candyman didn't kill black people throughout right. the entire movie. And in this movie, he doesn't, minus mm-hmm. William's sister. And I thought that that was an interesting choice because what I think the ending was doing, at least for me, was it was taking what we have known as the black boogeyman and making it no longer our boogeyman but our ally, and now it is the oppressor's boogeyman and no longer ours. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was kind of like the the transition of the mantle there that they were going for, um, mm-hmm. yeah. which I which I, I think was, I, I do think that that was communicated. It's just the death of William's sister confused me with his motivation. Yeah. Because yeah. that, that yeah. to me would lead me to think that William would resent the Candyman as opposed to try and bring him back to use for his own devices you know what i mean i think yes yes i totally agree with what you're saying i think they took what a lot of people complain about with the original and they were like well what if we flipped it because you're right most of the deaths in this movie are white people and those are by the hand of Candyman. most of the black people we see die in this movie are by the hands of the police mm-hmm. and I think what it is, is I feel like the guilt that William felt for what happened to Sherman superseded any anything else maybe that he might have felt in that moment. I don't think he resented Candyman for doing that. I -hmm. think he just resented that now Sherman would be used against black people when he was killed, you know, when he was taken down by white cops, but now he would be the boogeyman of Cabrini Green kind mm-hmm. of a thing. And I feel like that's what kind of tore him up is that he knew this is this is like a power that you could heart you could harvest mm-hmm. and use against people, but you have to do it in the right way. And so I feel like he really thought, oh, if I plan this out correctly, like I could use Anthony as a vengeful ghost but for our people not against our people mm-hmm. it is a bit of a it is a bit of a strange one it, he, I, is, he was taking some liberties in his planet yeah. um he still has some cuckoo in him let's not pretend that for sure he was a little cuckoo for cocoa puffs towards the end very here. dr jekyll mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah he, he was really slipping here at the end um i don't know how he had been successfully running the laundromat <laughs> uh but yes he's very much slipping here at the end And so this is where one thing I will say that I wish they would have included, because this movie is like 90 minutes, 90 minutes, I think. Mm -hmm. And I would. The shortest Candyman movie. uh, Yes. And I don't say this often, but I would have enjoyed an extra 10 Mm -hmm. because the one thing I found a little bit not disappointing, but I was just like, eh, was that. By the time we get to this ending, Anthony is now a shell. He is no longer himself. 
he mm-hmm. is like catatonic and you can see that he's still somewhere the inside but he is no longer able to do anything in this first moment where we see him where we where we get the grand plan right yeah i would have liked to know how we how did we get to that anthony from the la- the anthony yeah. that we last saw and then also why is he then able to at the end be himself again for a moment like what's going on yeah in there? i i totally feel you on that too because we get it's that transition from when he goes to see his mom which shout out to uh getting vanessa um, williams back in and she Marie, looks amazing she has not aged a fucking day i am convinced what? that woman is a vampire she's whatever unicorn blood that pharrell is drinking she has also had a sip because yes she looks fantastic ma'am what skin drop the skincare routine if you care about the people <laughs> drop the skincare routine for the what is this please, and thank <laughs> please you. do it for the culture <laughs> um but yeah the the transition from like learning about his origin to then going back and kind of like wandering through the last little remnants of Cabrini Green, it feel it kind of feels like there's like one scene missing in there to complete the transition from Anthony into what he is going to become later on. Um, and I don't know if that's something right. that just didn't make it into the final cut or if it's just something that um, they decided not to um, look into. But I did feel that same way when we when we go back to the church and he's just sitting there i was like i just feel like i missed one segment of his character development yeah, there just one step because it's yeah there's a a disconnect of anthony that we knew and anthony that we now see and it's kind of a bummer that from that moment where he learns the truth to th- his death He's just, he's a vessel. He's no longer really a character. He's just a vessel for Candyman. Mm -hmm. And I wish we could have seen, I would have preferred to the catatonic. I almost would have preferred if we got him acting more erratic kind of earlier, like when he was painting and he was kind of going through his thing. Mm -hmm. I would have almost liked to see something like that. And then maybe he, he's able to break through that towards the end and he's Maybe. able to gain back control or something yeah. it's just it's weird to me that he's just there. he just is yeah it and kinda, he says it, cut my arm off it is what it is you know yeah, it's like, like, yeah, go what? Forth. i mean <laughs> yeah. at that point the way that arm looked i probably would have done the same thing but, Honestly, like, yo, cut yeah. that shit off. <laughs> like you know do what you need to do because <laughs> get it off me please. Get, get, get it off me please yeah it almost <laughs> feels like like we didn't really get to say goodbye to no. anthony the character um which if you i suppose the way that you look at it could be effective towards the ending here because i mean this ending bit is very clearly a stab at what's been going on um Mm -hmm. in modern day culture um with modern day lynchings which of course crafts this new candy man um for the modern day and one of the aspects of that one could argue is that there have been so many unfortunate lives that have been lost that people have not been able to get to say goodbye to those people. Like you don't get the finality of their character, of their humanity. Like we don't get to see that because they're gunned down too soon, um, Mm -hmm. oftentimes by the police. And so having him now be this boogeyman specter that is out to attack the oppressors and protect us now, I think 
for a lot of people is going to be a bit of a stretch and a hard pill to swallow. But uh-huh. I think if that's your cup of tea, you'll like the ending a lot. Does that make sense? Where it's like, I I could understand people being like, maybe for whatever reason, they just weren't feeling the ending. Um, as somebody who tried as much as they could to be involved in all of the, you know, Black Lives Matter stuff and stuff that was happening, uh, especially in like 2020, um, it's kind of cathartic, yes, to see the ending that the way it is. But it's, I, I don't know, there's, there is some sort of disconnect there that I can't really put my finger on as to what exactly it is. It, yeah, well, so, because I do, I actually really like this whole part in the car. I the, Another thing, too, is that, so that scene where Anthony comes in and, you know, collapses into her arms. Mm-hmm. The way it's shot, I like and I don't like. It's confusing. But I like I like how we only see the shadow of the cop because it plays into that like shadow puppet imagery right, right, they've right. been using, which I love throughout the whole film. But and I think they did this on purpose because I think when they shoot Anthony, you're almost supposed to think for a second that they shot her. Yeah, because I definitely did. Because I, I definitely did. Shot. I don't know how she didn't get shot because if he was in her, if he was really where he was when we last saw she them, she would have taken a bullet. She for sure would have been shot. I wish that they had yelled at her to stand. This is a small thing, I know, but it, it, for some reason it bugged me a lot. I wish that the police came in and yelled at her to stand up. And as soon as she stood up, they just they just shot him or mm-hmm. something. Because I don't think it was worth it to have that, oh, is she shot moment. I don't think that that was worth it to have it choreographed the way that it was but okay, regardless yeah. that it's just a little nitpicky thing that for yeah. some reason annoyed the, me <laughs> yeah the the the, the co- coercion thing in the car i thought was great for work for the direction that the ending was going i thought the way that they framed that was really good that shit stressed me out when it happened because i was like oh my it was that same feeling like in um get out when the police set when the police lights flash up and mm-hmm. just that internal dread sets in um i felt that same way when he was like offering her the options yeah um, so i thought the writing for that was really cool yeah um, the, i like that it was the cute. actual murder of the cops and then like the the shot of him transitioning through the different um states of Candyman, along with our small little cameo from cgi the age tony todd <laughs> what's up um very just weird to see him be young but you know we have the technology so why the fuck not um Mm. i thought all of that from a spectacle level was very cool and Mm. i for one was here for the message that the movie was kind of dropping at the end there but it was very theatrical like it was a very theatrical ending um my one big qualm with Candyman in this movie was i just wasn't feeling the float i wasn't feeling Mm. Candyman floating Like, I would have rather him walked. Gotcha. Yeah, it's, I think, compared to the original, Candyman in this one is much more of a a specter. He's much more of a ghost um, Mm -hmm. than in the original. He very much moves and acts like a person um, who can, you know, obviously we know he's a ghost, but he definitely 
is much more of a human form than the Candyman in this movie, who definitely, you know, can float and has the bees around his face and it kind of like forms him into the different Candymans. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I yeah. I was going to say, I don't know real quick whether or not they did another practical effect for um anthony to have the bees on his face that was something that i couldn't find but i'm kind of curious about whether or not they tried to pay any homage to that style of shooting and had um mm. uh practical bees for any of that towards the end i don't really know I don't um know. but it i'm kind of curious pretty cgi but i would be interested in see maybe they tried it and it just didn't look as effective as they wanted because they have a lot of they, they're really going for the like um not just the bees chilling on, but like really, they really like want he, the swarm effect. Yeah, so they're, I wonder they're if part maybe, of him. Like, yeah. He's basically like an X-Man at this point. Yeah, I wonder if maybe <laughs> that would have been just like a little bit too hard. But yeah, I mean, I knew I knew she was going to say Candyman, so I was like waiting for that to happen. I was happy when it happened. I liked all that cool blue bobby. And so I don't know. I it, When she got around the corner and it was Tony Todd, I... I wanted to be like, oh, yeah. But for some reason, I was just like, oh. I, I don't know. It was like, okay. It, it, it just almost felt like a last gotcha that I didn't need. That I, don't get me wrong. I was, I, I wanted Tony Todd to be in this in some way. Yeah. But, but to see him for two seconds and have him say that and then for it to end, it just didn't it didn't feel right it didn't well, feel like the right way for me this is for me personally like it just yeah yeah i, I didn't like it i didn't I, that's fine and i think that that bit is definitely going to vary from person to person because i mean let's be real here that was fan service for everybody who is big fans of the original and i do think that it was important to include tony todd in one shape way shape or form i think it was something that people may have been worried about but was somewhat of a necessity right in some way mm -hmm. shape or form you had to bring him in there you know it was a choice it was a choice to have him there at the end i was okay with it it was just you know knowing that they cgi de-aged him it, it felt a little strange to me i was like okay whatever we want to make tony look as good as possible i get it if he had just gone and just the way he looks now and was just an older just like yeah the legend has aged i would have accepted that as well Whereas, like, I don't think I necessarily needed him to be de-aged. Um, but, yeah, that one's going to be, that's a, that's going to be a hit or miss ending, I think, for sure, for a mm -hmm. lot of people. It's like, you like it or you don't. Yeah. And I, I just guess it's one of those things where maybe the, for the Candyman movies, the, the core of them and the meat of them is usually so strong and so good. I myself, I, I couldn't tell you, couldn't tell you what a good ending for them would be. I don't know, but it, it always, I think it's because they're so strong for so long. It's hard to continue that all the way through because obviously the movie has to end. Like it, it just, it has to have an ending. And mm -hmm. so for me, I don't know. Yeah, I, I like parts of this ending. But I think compared to the rest of the movie, it just it was a bit of a dip. And and I don't know if it's because I wanted more Anthony or I just wanted more. 
of something, but it definitely just left me feeling a little bit lackluster by the time that the, the lights came up. And I don't really know what it is. Yeah. It's just one of those feelings. Yeah, I think maybe like we're still, I think, both a little bit fresh on seeing it. So maybe after it sits a while, maybe, you know, after like a second watch or something like that, it may resonate differently or like maybe our opinions will change on it. Um, but I agree. I I felt that way, I think, all the way up until she actually says his name in the uh, car mirror. I was like, I knew that we were nearing the end of the movie and something didn't feel quite satisfied mm-hmm. like once we got there and then for me once he started slaughtering them cops uh i i was like i was like okay you know we get we get one more one more bloodbath before we go i'm all right with this but i'm a simple man sometimes you know simple <laughs> pleasures throw some blood at the screen i'm all right i feel good about it mm-hmm. yeah and i think too it's like i don't know if i like that william was right you know what i mean like i don't know if i like that William did like did it and he was right and he and he you know made Anthony into this this legend I don't Mm -hmm. know if I like that I mean it's 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 very satisfying but I I wonder if I would have appreciated it if it was one of those things where yes he was right but you can't control Candyman you know what I mean Mm -hmm. yeah I'm curious about the plot of this movie without William. I wonder what the story would have been like if we didn't have mm. the William intervention portion of it and we just did a, a slightly more natural transition into Anthony fucks up and becomes the Candyman through his own means without any you know outside forces mm. kind of pushing him in that direction. I'm curious because one thing that is fun um, especially because Anthony is the kid from the original movie that got saved. So like this predetermined idea that he was destined to fulfill Candyman's wish of being immortal, I like that. And that's something that I think kind of carried me through the end of this movie, where like based on what we already set up through this entire mythos here, he, this is what Candyman, the Daniel version that we saw, wanted in the first place. He wanted Helen and Anthony to assist him in being immortal. And through the events that happen in this movie, he is now, in his own way, shape, or form, feeling immortality once again. And so I did think that that was a nice kind of full circle, talking about, you know, going in cycles here. I did think that that was a cool full circle idea that they played mm-hmm. with. Um, yeah and and then you have to wonder too like with the way it ends is the cycle going to continue but just now with brianna like is because now she's the witness mm -hmm. and Candyman has implored her to tell everyone yeah so is that something she's going to have to follow through on and chose probably probably and chose not to kill her and she was spared too i think that's an important note and um mm -hmm. in that idea is like again with the whether or not we like william being right is one thing but uh he at the end there does not just give into bloodlust and kill everyone there like he protects her um granted she did not say the fifth one so maybe you could like you know semantics argue that she didn't really summon him so she wasn't in danger it's still this idea that yeah maybe she now sees him as what william wanted something that she can use for the betterment of herself and for the people that she cares about yeah i i just feel like yeah she'll 
she might become William or she might become because you have to wonder is it like or did uh, did the only reason he keep her alive is because he needs his legend his to, to be spread not because of you know because he's only killing white people now maybe it's just because he's like, oh well i need somebody mm-hmm. yeah somebody, somebody <laughs> and i guess it's gonna be this. you yeah because like for a second he <laughs> played like it was gonna be the one cop and then he was like nah i changed my mind right he's like actually <laughs> let me uh, let me finish the job i might fuck quick. you up really quick <laughs> yeah um but yeah i think i think that pretty much covers most of everything right i'm trying to see here if i got any like mm-hmm last notes that i forgot um one one that i did um that i see right here is this is like throughout the movie too but you mentioned how visually this movie is very very good in terms of like always giving you something to look at and one of the images that i did love that was kind of like like a background image in one of anthony's paintings was the painting of like the black chest with the golden noose around its neck which i think is like a play on Mm -hmm. you know um fame and fortune being a noose around the necks of black people in general. I thought that that was a art as an art piece. I enjoyed the commentary that I was able to form in my head about that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just, there were, there was at some point a scene that had it in the background that it just really caught my eye enough that I wrote that down. Um, So appreciate, just appreciating the attention to detail um, like in a lot of monkey paw productions where it's just if you look around in any given scene, you find something interesting. I, I always love that yeah. about their productions. Yeah. And all the hidden. I mean, Candyman is so prevalent in this film. He's in the shadows. He's in the mirrors. He's in the like, if you look around, he's probably there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least, you know, after um, after Anthony summons him. Yeah. And so I loved looking for those. I loved all the shadow puppet stuff. If you stay for the end credits, you can see shadow puppet scenes of all of the all, candy Yeah, all bands. the candy men, which is super um, cool. Which is really nice. And I also will say I loved all of the mentions and the inclusions of Helen. Yep. And Agreed. that... I thought that was just really nice. Like anytime they mentioned her story and mentioned her and even when he's like listening to her, um, her tape that she did Mm -hmm. for her thesis in the at the school. I was just like, that's just it's just a really nice way to pay homage to the first one without, you know, being. It makes sense without being so obvious that like, oh, well, I'm paying, you know, it makes sense within the movie that he would be researching her and looking into that stuff. Yeah. And it's just nice to hear Virginia Madsen's voice. Right. It, it, it was very Helen. nice. <laughs> and honestly, the fact that she also became an herb religion, too, was super cool. Just They yeah. they, they did a very seamless job. Of, like it was a sequel, but it was also like a reboot. This is like a like a yeah. re-sequel in a way where it's just like it had el- like I love that it really was a sequel, but they did it in a way that still allowed them to kind of put a nice gloss of paint or polish mm-hmm. over the things that were already established. Um, well, yeah, and did it in a way where if you do go see this movie and you haven't seen the original, you'll get all the information you need mm-hmm. because you'll find out you'll get to see the daniel's origin story you'll find out about helen and then you'll find out the truth obviously you won't know for the first bit the truth but you'll find that out eventually Mm -hmm. and so in the end even if you didn't see the first one you, you will 
you'll be able to know what's going yeah. on. It's not so completely going to be like, oh, what the, what's happening? Yeah, it's not something they that fill it, in the blanks. Yeah, it can be a standalone movie if need be, but um i like that yeah it still leaves room for people if because we do know i think even some people in our discord were talking about they haven't seen the original yet mm-hmm. and so um be, the fact that you can watch this movie and then still go back and watch the original if you want to is super cool yeah and uh and you know what else i i i, I love having Anne marie back i wish we got a little bit more yeah her. like maybe a scene with her and, and brianna i would have loved to see them interact i know we we hear you know, she mentions her and they like talk on the phone or whatever. But I would have loved to see them like actually interact. I think that would have been really cool. Mm-hmm. I agree. But yeah. Say la bee. Desi. That's Candyman 2021. Oh, or, shit. Or 2020, whatever. What? Damn, what are we going to rate this one out of? Because we can't yeah. use bees again. We already we did that. We can't use bees. We can use candies. We, we can do use hard, hard candies. Hard candies. Mm hmm. Um, I'd, I'd kind of be down for hard candies. Are we going to do razor blade candy? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to promote that uh, <laughs> on record. <laughs> okay, we could do hard candies. Hard candies? All right. Uh, would you like to go first or you want me to? Um, You go first. Let me go first? Okay. Yeah. I think I want to give Candyman 2021 4.9 out of 5 hard candies. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, I like. I'm. I, <laughs> there's a slight hesitation because I kind of want to give it a five, but I think I want to watch the movie one more time before I solidify solidify that it's a five out of five. The four point nine is really just going from again had one watch of the movie and I really enjoyed everything that they did. I thought Nia DaCosta did a fantastic job. Um, directing this very daunting mission of rebooting this very important and popular story. And I love I love the, the direction that they took it in. Um, I love the inclusion of little callbacks from the original. I thought that this was a very fresh take on the whole thing. Um, the kills were brutal. I liked watching the journey of the characters. And all in all, I just had a really, really good time with the film. Um, there are like one or two little tiny things that I nitpick, but again, that's why I want to watch it one more time before I'm like five out of five, knock it out of the park. But I had very high expectations for this movie. I did not go into it, um, neutral. I was like, I want this movie to be good. I was hype about it and I did not leave disappointed and I really enjoyed my time watching it. So, um, 4.9 out of five hard candies for me. Ooh, okay. Um, I'm going to give this. I'm gonna give this four out of five hard candies. Okay. Yeah, I I I really did enjoy this movie. I love the way that it looks. The shots are fantastic. You've got some great characters in this movie, and they do some visually stunning things, particularly with Candyman in this movie. I love the way that our Candyman in this movie looks. I think he looks very creepy. And they're, they were smart in what they did with the Candyman legend. There's some really great themes in this movie. And Anthony is a fun character to follow and a tragic character to follow. I, I think that, that there's something to be said in how really tragic his 
story is Mm -hmm. and how it really does play into the Candyman legend. But there are some... This is a movie that I think would have benefited from being longer, which, like I said, I don't <laughs> say that. I don't say that often, but I really do wish that they had maybe tacked on an extra 10, 15 minutes on this movie because there are times where I wish we would have delved into certain things more. And I and I think that there are a couple areas where it just feels like something is missing. Like there was a, a lead up to something and rather than see the lead up, we, we jump to that moment. Mm-hmm. And I, and I would have liked to see how we got there. Um, and yeah, like I said, I, I don't know what it is. I can't quite put my finger on it yet, but something about the ending just left things to be desired for me. Mm-hmm. But the acting in this movie is awesome. I really, really have to give it up to them for taking Candyman and putting their own spin on it while also paying such great care and respect to what has come before this Candyman. Mm-hmm. So yeah, four out of five hard candies for me. And yeah, I would love, I, I definitely want to watch this one again yeah. now knowing what I know. Um, about the end and see if maybe that that changes for me on a rewatch true and two quick things before we go is one despite the fact that i really did love this movie and had a great time with this movie um i'm gonna say right now let this be it i don't we don't need another Candyman post this um i think that this is a fine enough way for this to be complete and for us to move on to different stories um so personally, just from me, if y'all are planning a reboot, um, I, or sorry, a, a, a sequel to this movie, um, I would just be wary myself. Okay, but, but pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. May, may, maybe, <laughs> maybe think twice about it. And the second thing, I know a lot of people going into this movie, or probably already who have seen this movie, are going to make the um, the inevitable comparison between whether or not they think the original is better than this movie or vice versa. And I was even going to pose that question myself, but actually after giving it some thought, I this is my personal belief, but I think that these movies really should not be compared in that way. I think mm-hmm. that they should be considered two different parts of a whole experience that are able to be enjoyed in tandem. And I think if you are comparing the two directly, you're kind of doing yourself a disservice because they. I think together they serve a bigger purpose than any comparison could ever give them. Mm-hmm. Very fair, very fair. But that's just my little soapbox that I want to step on real <laughs> but quick. But that's I... just me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm just saying, though. <laughs> but all right, homies. Uh, those are our thoughts on... Those are our very long thoughts on Candyman. <laughs> very in-depth thoughts. In-depth thoughts on Candyman. Uh, yeah, we are both probably going to go see this again. And so if any, you know, if if any thoughts change in the future, we'll be sure to let you guys know. But if anybody wants to discuss their feelings about this new Candyman, because honestly, I really like to hear other people's thoughts on this and interpretations, because I definitely think this is a movie that is open to interpretation. And Mm -hmm. I would be interested in if anybody has a different one than what we have, uh, particularly for the ending. 
But if you guys wanted to discuss this more in depth, you can always talk to us on our social media. We are homies of horror on everything. Or you could slip into our spicy little Discord um, and talk to us on there. Talk to other homies on there as well. Our Discord, we have links for that in our social media bios. You can also always email us if you have requests, recommendations, or you just, I don't know, you have something to say and you want to write it in an email, uh, then you can send it to homiesofhorror at gmail.com. And it's a Monday. If you're listening to this when this comes out, it's a Monday. And that <laughs> means we are on Twitch tonight. Um, so if you guys haven't yet followed us on Twitch or just checked us out, on Twitch, we game there every single Monday, and also sometimes, variously, we'll do maybe like watch parties every once in a while, or we'll do some solo streams, but Monday is homie night where we get together, play some games, and chit-chat with you guys, so if you would like to follow us on Twitch, the link for that is also in our social media bios. And last but not least, if you homies are so inclined, we would love it if you guys would go on to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating or a review. We very much appreciate it. It helps other people get their eyes on our podcast due to the algorithm. The more ratings and reviews you have, the better. Um, and yeah, we just kind of want to hear from you homies what you're thinking about the show. So if you have an Apple account, we would very much appreciate that. But we done did it, homies. We, uh, it. we did it we candy manned or whatever <laughs> um we hope that you enjoyed it and we hope that you guys have a great rest of your week and we'll be talking to you later catch you next time homies bye